Hi, I'm R.N. Raw, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. From the new Trump Tower in Abbotsford, BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and trust me, I know hosting. I am the best host. No one hosts better than me. <laughs> Joining me as usual is the huge team that makes the podcast world great again. She's certain to build a wall to keep history contained. Nancy. Ooh, just remember, don't throw stones against our glass wall. <laughs> He's been tweeting all night about his favorite steak brand, Tyler. You really grabbed that intro right by the... <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that. And he's even more willing to grab you by the hand, even if you won't let him, because he's loaded. Kevin. Hi, I'm Kevin Swatsky, and I took a right at the valley. That's why I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome back. I uh, hope you had a great week. Uh, I will say, first of all, um, I hope you guys uh, went out there and thanked a veteran November 11th. Um, Absolutely. I like to call it Thank a Veteran Day. Um, oh, yeah, wore our poppies faithfully wore, wore, and wear proudly. a poppy and all that. And, uh, you bet. Definitely. Uh, you know, there's something that uh, I like to, to, to point out, that our generation, well, maybe the boomers in some, some aspect, but the generations after, Generation X for sure, and uh, Generation the Millennials and all that, probably two of the only generations in time that never really had to go to war. And that's something that a lot of us don't think about. And I really hope that you do, and you do pay some respect to some of these soldiers. I pretty pretty much just traumatized my six-year-old by showing her the first 15 minutes of Saving Private Ryan and a few other things. Yeah, hyper realistic. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's one movie I couldn't, I, I just couldn't go to. I read about it and I thought, oh, oh I'll spend half the time with my eyes closed and my head. The first, in the my first lab. fifteen minutes is pretty uh, yeah. graphic, but the worst scene in the movie. If you guys remember the movie, that guy with the, the knife that's oh, driving the knife slowly yeah. to the guy's oh, chest and telling him, brutal. "Shh." At this, oh, well, the, the I actually turned my head when I saw that. I just could not stare at it. You know what somebody said to me the other day? They don't wear a poppy. Because they don't support war. It's like, you are totally missing the point here. Yeah, I, I, I said this the other day. I said, you can disagree with the war and still respect the soldiers. And yep. let's face it, the soldiers are not just there for war times either, right? And there's a case of uh, ecological or disaster of any kind. The soldier does come out to help. Absolutely. So the soldier is not just there to kill people. And well, and, and think about Vietnam. Like they came back and they got shit on. And and well, that's in the states. Yeah. We didn't. No, no, no. I'm just. Try, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here, which is that I was they, the Vietnam War was absolutely ridiculously stupid. But a lot of those people were either drafted and forced into it mm-hmm. or they were just simply ignorant, didn't understand the whole political climate and showed up. So I still give them a lot of respect. Uh, same for Iraq or Afghanistan yeah. or an- anything like that. Yeah, we, we do have a tendency to think when we think veteran, we think World War Two, and we don't think too much about the Korean War, the Afghanistan War and all that. We don't think much about these veterans. For some reason, they're like in a different category and that's unfair to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy, you had a bit of a mishap happening in your week. You want to talk about this? Oh, 
Well, I don't know whether you'd call it a mis- was it a hijacking? Yeah, I guess no, it is. Or, uh, for the first time in my life, I had a car stolen while it was locked. I can't believe that in my carport. It, it's, the, it's the most surreal feeling in the world to look at where your car used to be, and you don't see it, and it's like, wait, I'm looking at the wrong spot. And then you feel, no, my vision has suddenly disappeared. No, oh, my God, there's no car there. And once you get over that initial shock and get yourself into solution mode, it's, it's okay. But it, it really was a shocker. I have no and, idea. And, of course, you, you, you went out there to check out your car because you were, I'm assuming, you were heading somewhere. And then you just looked at it and, go! Your car's gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wasn't heading anywhere. Actually, I I had crossed the street, and I was looking back where my car is parked because I can't see it from my my residence, and that's when I saw it. It was like across the street. Oh, when you didn't see it. There's no car. I thought, no, I know I didn't lend it to anybody. I know nobody's got the keys. It was an Autobot. So, yeah. (laughs) That's right. It went went back to Cybertron. in seven days, the insurance uh, kicks in, and they give me a check to find a new one, and there was nothing valuable in there except the car itself, yeah. which was a nice, you know, Matrix well, XL. I'm going to be not too so polite. I'm going to say, you know, if there's somebody out there that uh, you're, I doubt one of our listeners, but if you got Nancy's car, fuck you, okay? <laughs> fuck you, asshole. Uh, Bring back the car. Uh, I, I have a confession, Nancy. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll bring it back. <laughs> I, I have to show him where to go. I, I, was I, knew, I, knew, I knew it was you, Tyler. We were just hoping you'd self-confess so he wouldn't have to beat it out of <laughs> All right, and we got to talk about the elephant in the, the elephant in the room, the elephant in the world, <sighs> the election of Donald J. Trump. Oh, uh, was who, there was who, there an election? Somewhere? Yeah, well, I thought it was. I thought it was a gag at first. Oh, Nancy, like I said, Nancy, you and I have uh, disagreed, and I don't want to be that dick, but I told you so. Oh, oh God, I can't believe I was hoping to be so wrong about this. Well, you picked up some of the signs. I think, you know, in, in the U.S., the pollsters, the pundits, the reporters, the, um, mm-hmm. you know, every, not everybody, but most of the people absolutely read this election. It was a bizarre election, and it they read bizarre. it the wrong way. We'll be talking about this for a long, long time. Oh, um, yeah. A few numbers. Um there were 7 million less votes in this election than there was in the last election with uh, Barack Obama versus Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. Um, 44% didn't vote at all, which ironically is about the same number of independents. So if you think a picture is a pie chart in your mind, 44%, that's almost half the pie chart. The uh, other half, you would have a quarter of that, well, a quarter of the whole pie chart would be voting Democrats and the other quarter voting Republican and the little slivers at the bottom are like the Greens, the Libertarians and all that. I, I truly feel that when Hillary, and I'm not going to match my words here, stole the nomination from Bernie Sanders, the Bernie or bust, all the people that voted Bernie basically said, screw you, we're not doing this. Yeah. And I think that's what happened here. He well, was looking, it, looking at, I, don't, I, 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 may be, <laughs> I, I know I'm catching you off guard here, no, of course. but compared to the 2008 and mm-hmm. the 2004, are, are the number of people that didn't vote about the same, or is this drastically no. different? No, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked at uh, it. In, in 2008, yeah. when Barack Obama came in, the turnout was way higher it on the Democrats. High. The, the Republican numbers are consistently, consistently the same, which is yeah. what leads me to often say the only way a conservative can win in this day and age, because let's face it, most of us are progressive by nature. 
The only way conservatives win today in elections is if people stay at home. Yeah. And, Voter apathy. Uh, you, of course, they have their base that always come out. Their base always comes out. But there's still about a quarter, maybe of the third of all the electorate. And this is Canada and the U.S., the same thing. If the conservatives win, it's because the Democrats and the progressive-minded liberals, all that, don't come out to vote. And if they don't come out to vote, it's because they're not inspired by their candidate. And the other, the other thing that has to be taken into account in the South is voter suppression. Yes. Mm-hmm. If voters don't come out or they can't come out or they're intimidated, um, then, then it's skewed toward the conservatives, and that's what they do. They know that they only win if, I use a Donald Trump word here, if it's rigged, <laughs> mm-hmm. if it's rigged against the uh, people of color, old people and and students that's yeah. the only way they can do it but so there's a solution to this though i think i'd really really like to see internet voting being more prevalent because w- uh, the other day we had a story about somebody shooting at people at democratic uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Vo- voting stations and whatnot so if you think about it from your point of view i mean a lot of people are just lazy they had this exact same thing with you know vaccines where they made it easier for people to get vaccinated so they're not so damn lazy right Mm -hmm. they made it so they had to go down and register to not be vaccinated like well shit i gotta leave the house anyways (laughs) so let's try to make it easy if people are able to vote at home on their smartphones or whatever then they're going to be more inclined to obviously do so simply out of laziness and they don't have to worry about getting shot at by crazy people well i I have a tendency to disagree (laughs) with you there tyler because voting electronically has been nothing but problems in the states especially with fraud the reason why we still have paper ballots in canada is because we've avoided that Mm. it would need to be regulated really well it would need it would need it would need something that yeah i think it could be it could be an option but in washington state they do it by mail Mm -hmm. the alaska they do it by email well, we could inject chips right, into ourselves you, you, you and vote know, I mean, with that. Tyler, <laughs> you know, with all due respect, you're assuming everybody has a, a smartphone and everyone has access, and, and not everybody does, smart. especially, you know, um, low-income uh, yep, yep, people. Yep. Are, you well, know, they, have a, they have fax, fax options as well in, in yep. certain states, yeah. so I'll, 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 just I'll, make it easy for people to do that so they well, don't have specific positions. Like, if you have to go down to the library to do it or something, fine. But once you say... Here, look, everybody, this is where the Democrats are voting. Crazy people are going to show up and start shooting up. Well, that's exactly other, what yeah. happened. The other easy ways is that you register everybody in high school. You register everybody at, at birth, and then it kicks in at 18, so that there is no registration process. It's just automatic. Mm-hmm. Or and vote that's by a, thumbprint. You, yeah, yeah, but they, but then they yeah, still don't like, have to physically leave their house yeah. and go down there and do it because a lot I mean, of them won't. You know, if if the if the country wants to have everybody vote, they will find a way to make it easy for everybody to vote. Well, and that ar- that argument doesn't make sense, anyways. It's like saying, you know, if you have internet voting, there's going to be fraud, and here's my evidence because there's fraud already when people are doing this. So mm. I understand that the paper ballot thing works. But the the downsides is putting people in danger and not getting people to actually vote. Like, we're talking almost half of the people. So mm-hmm. just because there's downsides to both situations, you got to kind of weigh the pros and cons. So uh, I'd rather people vote from home and be safe and actually vote than potentially be in danger mm-hmm. and just not vote at all because then we end up with people like Trump. Oh, we could also do like Australia as well and actually make it mandatory to vote. 
I oh, that would be think, good. I personally think we should. Yeah, yeah, as long as we're not setting up places saying this is where all the liberals are. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of numbers that might interest you as well. Uh, apparently, only six percent of Americans trust the mainstream media. Only and six. Only six percent. So that tells you that ninety-four percent of Americans don't believe the polls when they come out from the mainstream media. Michigan, which is one of the states that basically uh, sealed Hillary's uh, loss, um, 90,000 90, voted, the, 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 some of the votes were counted, 90,000 of them were, were people voted but left the president blank. In other words, because when they vote, they don't just vote for the president, they also vote for uh, you know, other positions mm-hmm. in the district. So they do a whole bunch of votes at the same time. But 90,000 people voted for all the other positions but left the, either Hillary or Trump blank. Does that disqualify the ballot? Of course it does. Yeah. Does that take, does that, do they rip the ballot up because it's not complete? No, no they, they count no, the other votes. It just doesn't okay. count as yeah. for president. And, and uh, Hillary in that state lost by 11,000. Yeah, or, you don't have So that vote. makes a significant difference. Yeah. They said, you know, the, these 90,000 people essentially said, you know, I can't vote for either one of these people. Or the people who wrote in Bernie... Or whatever that uh, wasn't divided. Apparently, uh, close to seven percent, actually, uh, of people voted for Bernie uh, to, uh, just as a write-in. So that's interesting. Um, I think Hillary's platform was just weak. I mean, Hillary, her, what was her message essentially? I'm not Trump, and I'm a woman. And I think that just didn't appeal to people. Um, Fifteen of the Bernie <laughs> states during the primary that Bernie won went to Trump. That's an interesting number, so too. basically, yeah, that was a non-confidence vote for Hillary. Yeah, it totally was. It yeah. totally was. Well, and, and I read something interesting the other day, that, which makes sense, um, that there seems to be a bit of a correlation between the previous history. So what I mean is when you have a liberal president, a Democratic president, whatever, you know, for two terms, the liberals become kind of lazy. Yeah. And the Republicans get, like, super motivated. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. And, and vice versa. I mean, I understand Reagan was president for, you know, two terms, and then Bush got elected. But that's kind of an anomaly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's almost like it, the pendulum swings on the other side all the time, right? Yeah. Yes, I mean, it, it, it balances. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think Hillary... There she talk. goes, disagreeing oh, with me again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's half the fun of the show. We can disagree <laughs> and enjoy everything. And still be friends. Yeah, no blows, no blows were placed well, I'm during, not taking the, you. during I'm the kick my recording ass. of this podcast. But Hillary did talk about policies and, and she did put them on her website and she did go into into detail mm-hmm. about some of the things. But she was sidetracked, I think, because of the, the negativity that was exchanged and also the damn emails, as Bernie says. Yeah, yeah. But I, she did. She did go into her her policies, she, you know. I'm, I'm reminded of um, 2008 when uh, Hillary was running against uh, Barack Obama and Bill Maher, comedian Bill Maher, said the reason Obama gets in is because he doesn't have the baggage. He's such a new face. People haven't had time to know. And that that's a plus in uh, being elected. And Hillary has been there for so long. Well, yeah, no, no skeletons. Right? No skeletons, no. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is, I, uh, the irony of it all is now there are huge protests happening because of Trump's election, and fairly violent, too. Which and that, you know what? There would have been if, yeah, Hillary, maybe. Yeah. if Hillary got in, you would have had the Trump supporters lock her up, lock her up, and Trump would have been out there saying that it's been rigged, it's been rigged. Absolutely, and absolutely. Because the country is so divided it is. that whoever won 
has to face the consequences of the wrath of the other side. But this didn't used to happen 20 years ago, right? But, but there wasn't the polarization. It was about 20 years that this started. Yeah. But when the evangelicals took over the base and Newt Gingrich d declared his contract with America, that's when they glared at each other. That both parties would glare at each other uh, from either side of the aisle rather than... Uh, talking and mm -hmm. going out afterward for a drink and figuring out the solution. I mean, seriously, what can you expect from a country where 25% of the people think the sun goes around the earth? <laughs> like, yeah, that's like true. What are you talking th about? This it is doesn't? The, uh, no, that's a, a real statistic. The, the part of the problem is that you have one person who is extremely educated when it comes to politics and economics, and then you have Joe Blow, complete moron on the other side, and they get an equal vote. And that, that's a problem. I'm not saying you can necessarily do anything about it, but it kind of makes sense when you look at America's education system and then you look at you know Trump being elected. I'm like, holy. I yeah, idiocracy is almost a real thing now. So. Well, you need to teach critical thinking because honestly, all this stuff kind of comes out. Like the FBI should have kept their damn mouth shut yeah. until all this shit was over because they said, oh, emails, emails. Oh, never mind. It's nothing. They're too late. Damage done. You got these idiots out here who have no critical thinking skills. As soon as they hear that she's being investigated for a second time, she's automatically guilty, right? So, well, I don't know about you, but I think my presidential candidate—if I was an American—I wouldn't want my presidential candidate to be investigated on anything. Well, you know, I did, I'm sure nobody's like completely perfect. But if you're running for president, you should be—you should have a cleaner portfolio than mine. Uh, you, no, can make, you can make you can make allegations well, about it, anything though, you know, right? Theor, the, in theory I agree with you, but in this day and age of um a Barack Obama is not an American you know, citizen. Politics, it's, it, it, uh, it, and I think it goes along with with the, the, the litigious society mm -hmm. because people are so quick to sue each other. We're very quick to oppose rather than you know sit down and and have a discussion and find a solution. I know that doesn't have anything to do with being investigated, but it, that, that has to do with the schism. It it absolutely does. Well, we're falling behind, so I gotta get moving here. We'll talk some more about wait, this. Wait, 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 one last thing. No! <laughs> one last thing. Did you guys see Justin Trudeau's criticism that I posted about Donald Trump? They didn't, like, name him specifically. It was in the McLean's magazine, and he was just saying that we can't do what they're doing and run on a fear campaign. And, and that's what I hope doesn't divide. I'm, st I'm just loving Justin Trudeau more. I didn't vote for him. But I'm just loving that guy more and more and more every day. That, that's what concerns me because I don't want Trump-style politics to come to Canada. And right now, there is no head of the Conservative Party. And one of the candidates that would like to run for the head of the Conservative Party, Kevin O'Leary. Remember him? Oh, Dragon's no. Den? Is that the rebel guy? No, no, no. no, no, no that's Israel Levan. Oh, Kevin yeah, O'Leary yeah. is the guy from Dragon's Den. And he's exactly like Trump. He's one of those blowhard, fuck you in your face kind of guy. And I, God, I hope he, oh, doesn't, the, he doesn't bring that kind of politics. Is it like yeah. the Milton Friedman philosophy? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. God, no. Well, anyway, Nancy, you all set to go? All set. And it's time for this day in history, which, as we know, is a roundup of those events and people who altered and illuminated the days between November the 7th to November the 13th. So November the 7th is October Revolution Day in the Soviet Union. Yes. Oh, apropos. 
Well, yes, but it's November 7th, and yet, those of you who are listening, I said October Revolution Day. That's because the revolution, the red tide, the revolution, mm-hmm. happened under the Julian calendar, and when they switched oh. to the Gregorian calendar, then it became November. So that's why they that's still call it. Yeah, that's why they call it uh, October Revolution Day, but it's celebrated on November the 7th. Just one of those weird things. We've had several stories where people lost time and thought they had been robbed of days. By, yeah, that happened you know, to me last week. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> so an interesting story on the 7th has to do with a man who died on that date, Edward Arthur Wilson. He was also known as Brother Twelve. Brother and the 12. 12 in Roman numerals. He wasn't Brother 12 just, you know, with the words. He's an interesting character because he actually has to do with the history of uh, Vancouver Island, believe it or not. And he um, lived, well, actually he was born in England and traveled the world as a mariner and studied religions. And he prepared himself by his own account for a destiny that was revealed to him in a vision in the south of France in the autumn of 1924. So he de- he attracted a devoted following at that point, but um, it, actually he had a group of very wealthy and socially prominent individuals, and he took the name Brother Twelve from uh, a esoteric um, theogra- whatever you call it, very spiritual, yeah, it had to do with yeah, it had to do with societies and, of twelve and things like that. A very very far out. Where's so, Dan Brown in his novels when you need him? Yeah, so <laughs> he established what he called the Aquarium, Aquarian, not Aquarium, Aquarian Foundation in 1927. And the group's beliefs were based largely on the teachings of a theosophical society, which went into the esoteric and the, the spiritual and how it all came about and so forth. It was, it was not really a nutty society, but they were sort of on the fringe of spiritualism. So he encouraged his followers to build homes in his colony called Cedar by the Sea on Vancouver Island um, near Nanaimo. Have you ever heard of Cedar on the Sea? It's near, near Nanaimo no, someplace. So they, he moved and he had a goal of uh, wanting to create what he called an ark, which was a self-sufficient community independent of the outside world. So they acquired additional property on um, Valdez Island and De Corsi Islands. Are you familiar with either one of those? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not either. Uh, so it was interesting to to hear about the history of uh, of Wilson or Brother Twelve. Well, he got people um, when he moved there. He had about twelve hundred. Um, different followers, and some of them from the states. And Wilson himself was a very controversial character. He had many mistresses. He uh, delved into politics in the U.S. where he uh, approved of the KKK and the anti-Semitic. I mean, he, he wasn't what you call a demagogue, but he felt that he was in touch with some of the um, Egyptian gods, and he took on some of their characteristics. And you sure, came, you sure you didn't pick this from Trump's cabinet? <laughs> you know, it, it came to mind as I was reading this. <laughs> you know that they had a lot in common, but I don't know whether Trump. You know, I don't know whether orange hair and Egyptianism go with Trump. Let's, we can leave Trump out of this. <laughs> we'll leave him out of the conversation. But anyway, things got more and more bizarre, and Wilson wanted everything uh, in terms of the money. He wanted everything in gold, 
And so he had like 30, 40 pots of gold, and he buried them on DeCourcy Island, but they've <laughs> never been found yet. They're still somewhere. The people are still looking to see if they can find... They're after the Nicky Charms and they put a gold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he he became involved in politics, and then when he came when he came back to DeCourcy Island and, and Cedar... Um, he, because he was having all these different mistresses and hearing voices, the group began to split apart and he had a number of different lawsuits and things really got nasty. The way they usually do, you know, when you have people like this leading groups, they tend to degrade because they become more and more fringe and, and more and more unhinged, I guess. So an insurrection developed within the ranks of the colony and, um, you know, be, because he claimed that he was part of the, that he had been reincarnated from the Egyptian gods and so forth and so on. So um, then they also accused him of the misuse of, of funds and all of these different affairs. And so the Aquarian Society was legally dissolved in 1929, but he continued his work with his followers who had remained loyal to him. There weren't many, but there, there were some. And he got a number of new recruits. So as time passed, he became increasingly dictatorial and paranoid, um, and he had you know, a mistress, and they decided, because of all of these problems, that they would leave Nanaimo. And so he got in his boat, called a sailboat called the Lady Royal, with his latest mistress, uh, and they escaped. Um, uh, from Nanaimo, and rather than appear in court and deal with all of the mess, he, he was reported to have died. And it's suspected that he he actually faked his own death because there were reports sounds that like he had been seen in Switzerland. Sounds like the type. The, yeah, but this is the first guy that I know of that is our own, well, not homegrown, but a guy who actually had one of these colonies in Canada, and that's what makes them so fascinating. Yeah. And there there are some uh, artifacts uh, in the museum in Nanaimo, so anybody in that area, if you want to know more about them, there's been books, and there have also been documentaries written about by the 12. But don't look for the word 12, look for XII. Interesting, interesting guy. Um, November the 9th was World Freedom Day. Uh, and in 1861, that was the first documented football match in Canada, and it was played at University College in Toronto. On November the 10th um, was Heroes, is Heroes Day in Indonesia, and in 1793, France ended the forced worship of God, and we've talked about that before. Yes, we have. Um, November the 11th, of course, was Remembrance Day, where we talked about it at the beginning of the show, when we all wear our poppies and honored uh, the end of World War One, and in 1930, this is the other really interesting story for this this week. In 1930, a patent was awarded to Albert Einstein and Leo Cesard for their invention, the Einstein refrigerator. Wow! Uh, I bet you didn't hear see that one coming. Imagine you can have one. Imagine if you have one of those today. Yeah, well, in, from 1920s, this is how it happened. From 1926 to 1933, Einstein and his partner collaborated on ways to improve home refrigeration. So they were motivated by contemporary newspaper reports of a Berlin family who had been killed when a seal in their refrigerator broke and leaked toxic fumes into their home. 
So Einstein used the experience he'd gained during his years at the Swiss Patent Office to apply for valid patents for their invention in several countries. So the two eventually were granted 45 patents um, in their names for three different models. The refrigerator wasn't immediately put into commercial production. The most promising of their patents was bought up by the Swedish company Electrolux. So there is a there is a, a there's a link between Electrolux link, and Einstein. Electrolux and refrigeration and Einstein. And if you saw that, you know, as a triad where they'd say, how you know how are these th- three? Li- You'd never ever. Think, but now you do. You could win any trivia contest. See, you learned so much on the show. You, you learned, learned so much. So much. <laughs> um, November the twelfth was Constitution Day in Azerbaijan, but that's only because it's an excuse to say Azerbaijan. No other reason. <laughs> and that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and trivia-winning contests, occasionally bizarre events, and people that make up this day in history. Thank you so much, Nancy. <laughs> Interesting as usual. And we'll be right back right after this. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. Right, and this movie can only mean one thing. Our good friend Arn Roy is joining us once again. Arn, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Happy to be on. Excellent. Uh, Arn, you, uh, <laughs> you've become like a, almost a fixture of the show. Now, this is your third appearance on our show, and uh, we always enjoy absolutely having you on. But today, we're talking about your book that just finally came out. Ah, yeah, um, thank you very much. Foundational falsehoods of creationism. I was just checking the stats on that. It's, I'm, I'm, it's for a first book. I'm kind of scared. It's, uh, I mean, it, it's Amazon has it listed right now around the top ranked at ten thousand out of eight million. Fantastic. Oh, that's not bad. Great. And it's been sitting around there for over a month. Hmm. 
Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good, for, especially for a book that, you know, uh, atheism is not a mainstream thing. So for mm, it to be... Way better than my book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, I told you that parrot was going to go off. Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is a parrot. <laughs> I know this is terribly unprofessional, but hang on. Polly wants a cracker? <laughs> You're going to hear a gunshot in about two yeah. seconds. <laughs> My friend's, my friend's uh, parrot used to call the dog into the kitchen where it wasn't allowed in the mom and the dad's voice and then scold it when it got there. <laughs> They're evil. Nobody see, Pure che- nobody evil. see Cheech and Chong just shoots the damn bird. <laughs> Pedro not here. So, Arn, uh, your, your book is doing very well on Amazon. Um, how much criticism, or have you received any criticism about it? Because you're dealing with a very sensitive subject, especially in your neck of the woods. Well, so far, the the critiques, if you look at the reviews, the reviews have been shining. There's only one uh, really negative review that has anything to do with anything I said. And that was from somebody who was not a confirmed buyer, somebody who obviously did not buy the book and clearly did not read it either. Because, I mean, it, it's a creationist who's making the comment that... Uh, well, basically, he's just reciting the, the falsehoods. If you read the reviews of my book, there's one guy in there who says that, um, yeah, well, there's, well, how come there's no transitional species? Dude, chapter nine. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the book. Read it. <laughs> yeah, obviously, he didn't read that book. But uh, it's so much easier to do a review if you don't read the book. Then you're not limited by the facts. I mean, that's come right. on. Hey, Aaron, you know, you yeah. could show them uh, the fossils of like a pupa and a caterpillar and a butterfly, and they'd still ask for transitional fossils. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and coincidentally, we have those. But. <laughs> uh, Aaron, you've been doing, you did a video series about this, and now you have a book about this. I, you know, I, first of all, I have nothing but, the tremendous amount of respect for you and your work. At some point, do you feel you're actually making a dent in there? I mean, at some point, you, you, you're you pulling your hair out saying, my God, people, what else do I need to do for this to work? Well, it, it, now that you say that, I mean, I, I had been feeling that I was making a bit of a dent. However, um, I began to reevaluate that on November 8th. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 we'll, we'll, we'll get to that a bit later because i'm sure we'll, we won't let you go before you give us your opinion of what happened there um <laughs> but we'll, for now we'll stick for the book uh of all the uh of, of falsehoods that you've uh, compiled over time is there one that really really gets to you that kind of like i can't believe i still have to talk about this yeah, it's the it's the last one. The reason that I I had the fifteenth foundational falsehood as uh, as the last one the, uh, the 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 idea that evolution is just a theory. <laughs> yeah, because this isn't just this isn't just ignorance. I mean, it isn't just something that some idiot innocently doesn't know. You can't handle the truth. This is being deliberately distorted. Well, in some cases, I mean, in other cases, I, I can't tell if it is it a deliberate lie or is it un, is it inexcusable stupidity? Because, uh, for example, it went in that fit that there was a, a the chairman of the board of education at one point was complaining that a hundred and fifty professional scientists had given their testimony to say that the theory of evolution was better supported than the theory of gravity, and she complained that we had demoted gravity to being just a theory when she said that it was a law. 
which requires that I then have to teach middle school science to the chairman of the Board of Education, where we explain, you know, list off the Newtonian laws, right, the laws of motion that are contained within Newton's theory of gravity, and then explain how we've got even more laws that are contained within the theory of relativity and how relativity replaced gravity. Why would relativity replace gravity? Because gravity is wrong. No, let's yeah. teach that controversy. Every time somebody says something about evolution not containing laws, I'm like, really? What about Mendel's laws? And then I just go on and on. Oh, yeah. So somebody posted the, that same thing. It's just a theory, blah, blah. I said, you know, it's because they can't spell hypotheses. That's the reason. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's a funny thing because the science has this rule that you can't prove a theory correct, right? But what, is, what a theory is, in a sense is when a hypothesis is proved to be correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. I mean, this is applicable in a number of cases, not all of them. So, I mean, this is not so, the way that scientists, science actually defines this. But in many cases, when you have a hypothesis, and that hypothesis has been so strongly vindicated by additional data and continuous testing, that they eventually just elevate that to a theory. So a theory is a hypothesis that has been proven, and you can't go up from there. You can't go up from the top. Well, and it's hard to explain to people that a theory in science is a field of study or a body of knowledge because they want it to be a blind-ass guess. Yeah. yeah the, the reason that science claims that we can only, you know, provisional conclusions, the reason we can only be 99.999% sure about something is because as soon as you say you're 100% sure about something, you're saying, I'm not willing to change my mind based on new data. Yeah, absolutely. I Even yesterday I was uh, actually... Uh, uh, out in the town and I got into the store that I really like to hang a bit once in a while and I was talking to this Christian couple uh, this older Christian couple I, I know them and I actually don't know enough to know their names but <laughs> but we we just debated that entire question about evolution and I had to start to explain to them you know evolution is a fact and it, that same one came out oh it's just a theory no no and he, he, the guy even at some point say, said well if if we came down from monkeys because they always say that why are there still I, monkeys and I had to correct them that we don't <laughs> come from monkeys no 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 I gotta jump in here now oh okay I gotta jump in here. yeah I gotta I gotta because I, I love it when they say that if we came from monkeys then why are there still monkeys why are you still a monkey do you Yeah, that's that's my answer. We, because it, and and this is this threw me into a lot of uh, controversy. And it actually, this is a problem for me too. I used to be on your side of this argument, and I argued very very hotly with a professional systematist over a course of a couple of months, and it got brutal and savage and really unfriendly. However, I did eventually have to concede that he was right. That humans are a subset of apes. Yeah. And that apes do not just share a common ancestor with monkeys, but that they actually descend directly from monkeys, too. The current line of circopithecids, which we have as the only extant old-world monkeys, mm -hmm. are a sister group to hominoidea, which are the apes. But there's an ancestral group called propliopithecoidea, which is ancestral to both circopiths and hominoids. So it's... And then, and then if you, if you, I've, I've quoted Flegel and Delson and all of the other experts in paleoprimatology, uh, and they use the word monkey when they're talking about uh, um, apidium, for example, like that, like, and others are like Eosimius, going back into the dawn monkey. So they use monkeys that we de de descended from. And then you've got things like Egyptopithecus and Proconsul, where Egyptopithecus is described as an ape-like monkey and Proconsul is described as a monkey-like ape. 
You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Okay. Right. They're all supposed to be in our lineage, more or less. So, yeah, I mean, although this is still a point of controversy because we've been trained to think in another way, yes. if you classify things monophyletically, then the monophyletic classification of simian or simiforms, uh, and which is also used as this alternate name of anthropoidea, either one of those, these are the Latin words for monkey. It means that we are monkeys. And since you never, you can never grow out of your ancestor, you never stop being whatever your ancestors were. You may be a modified version of whatever your ancestors were, but you're never going to turn into something they weren't. Or, well, you can turn into something they were. You'll still be what they were, even if they aren't what you are. That's a little bit confusing. Because obviously the apes that we descended from aren't human, but we are still apes even though we become human. We keep all of the parent categories. And I know this is confusing a well, few people. It, but it, for some, it almost sounds like linguistical semantics in a way. Well, it's taxonomy. It is semantics. It really is semantics. Because in a lot of languages, uh, there is no separate word for monkey from ape. I mean, if you're talking in Russian, for example, it's the same word. So it really is just semantics. Okay, so Aaron, is the same way. Aaron, there's this really, really good video by this really smart guy. I know it's called You're a Fucking Monkey Mate. Have you ever heard of it? I based my video on that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I made a video called Turns Out We Did Come From Monkeys. Yeah, well, that's... And I would encourage people to look that up yeah, because that, I, I give the full explanation yeah, of how humans really are monkeys. And snippets of, of Eddie Izzard's uh, comedy routine are in there. And this... You know, personal story, when I went to uh, uh, Reason Rally back in 2012, Eddie Izzard was speaking there, and I was really upset that they weren't going to give me backstage passes. They gave me VIP seating, which I really didn't care about. I wanted the backstage passes because I wanted to meet Eddie Izzard. And I just I knew this was going to be my only opportunity. And I wanted to have a video camera just to have Eddie Izzard point to me and say, you're a fucking monkey mate. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted that on my video series. Well, it was it was your video that I was actually talking about, and you and your video actually changed my mind because it made a really good point about when people think about the differences between apes and monkeys. You know, monkeys have tails, but there are monkeys that don't have tails. Like if you yep. a, if you ask most people, like my brother, what, what what's the difference between? Well, Kevin, what's the difference between a monkey and an ape? Anybody? Anybody <laughs> other than Aaron want to answer that question? No, not really. So my understanding is that it has obviously usually has to do with the tail and there has something to do with the shoulder joint rotation. And yeah, the second part is correct. And yeah, exactly. But the tail thing, there are tailless monkeys out there, right? So really, the differences are just so, so tiny. And most people who argue that, you know, the whole monkey ape thing, they have no idea what they're talking about. So... You completely changed my mind on that, and I've had so many debates just simply by posting that video, and man, do people get pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one about callosites, because a lot of people will say that Circopus being all of the extant old world monkeys have these callosites, or uh, how else would I describe these butt pads? Inconceivable! Yeah, they're, they're saying that old world monkeys have these, and the, the living old world monkeys do. Uh, however, there are some of the uh, lesser apes that have them too, so it's not consistent, and it's not. It's therefore it's not definitive, and there's no reason to believe that since old world, old uh, new world monkeys do not have these, and new world monkeys are actually more primitive than old world monkeys are. The division, you know, their division was a lot further along, uh, a lot further ago. Then there's no reason to believe that callosites were ever present on the common ancestor either. 
And of course, it's not something that would be preserved in the fossil record either. Well, there isn't a huge fossil record when it comes to primates in general, right? So mm. they're, they're pretty <laughs> yeah, rare. Yeah, you think that. It, it, while it is true that there's not a huge fossil record, there have been no less than 50 species of apes, non-human apes, non-hominoid, or non uh, Non-hominine, you know, they're, they're, they're not like Australopithecus or Poranthropines, they're not in the human line. But there's 50 species of apes known in the fossil record that do not exist today. 10 million years ago, correct me if I'm wrong here, 10 million years ago, there were 50 living at the same time. Yes. That's my, my understanding, so. Interesting. Yeah. And, we, and they, did, they did recently find the oldest primate, I believe, again, correct me if I'm wrong, is about 55 million years ago, and it's called... Archidibus Achilles or something like that. It's actually no, no, no. The the uh, the oldest primate. Remember, if you're saying primate, that's going primate a lot an, further. Primate back. ancestor. Okay, we, if you're going if you're going to primate, that's the bigger category that includes apes and monkeys and also uh, lemurs, tarsiers, and prosimians. Like like, uh, uh, well, those are lemurs. Um, but you remember that that uh, what is her name? Ida was forty seven million years old. Yeah, yeah. What, so, do you, are, what do you oh, know? Oh, wait, about? you said 50, 50, 55 million years. So it's called, it's called ago. Gotcha, Archibus gotcha. or Archibus. I, I can't pronounce any of this shit. Anyways, <laughs> Archibus, Archibus Achilles. That's what the name is. So that that's my understanding of the oldest primate ancestor is 55 million years ago. So Barely a primate at all. But yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was like this tiny little tree thing. <laughs> Aegyptopithecus? Now, the problem with, the, with religious belief and the rejection of the science is not that they don't understand it. It's not just that, they don't, that they've never heard it. Because when they say there's no transitional species, you will find out quickly that they know the whole list of transitional species. They know about them all, but they have to systematically eliminate every single one of them because it is a dishonest ploy where they need to find some excuse not to believe it. So the way science works, you know, you come up with a, a hypothesis or, or uh, a, a, let's say, a speculative postulation. Do you want to explain something? And then you're going to go test that hypothesis because in order to be a hypothesis, it has to be testable. And so you find evidence to, well, you already have to have evidence to support your conclusion before you even begin. Mm -hmm. Religion already has a difference. They don't have any evidence to support them. They just make the postulation, screw the evidence, and then they go find whatever can seem to line up with that and, and deliberately discard or reject everything that they know doesn't line up with that. And, of course, science can't do that. You have to have the, you have to have the evidence to start with, and then you start testing to see if you're wrong, which means you're working, again, completely opposite from, from religion. And that's why we never prove anything. We never say it's conclusively proven absolute truth, like religion says, quite the opposite. Well, we've never proven it wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I'd like to know what excuses you hear from people because I hear some of the funniest shit. Like when I talk about Homo habilis, Homo ergaster erectus, and Homo heidelbergensis neanderthal, they say, oh, they're just handicapped apes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. seriously? That's the worst excuse I ever heard. Yeah, well, when you compare skulls of different breeds of dogs, you know, like if you compare a, a, a Great Dane and a Boston Terrier, for example, I mean, there's, the skulls are bizarre looking. The Boston Terrier wouldn't even look like a dog. It looks like some sort of an alien. But, you know, people will readily accept that these are both the same species. And there's a, a whole different collection of, of dog skulls that don't look anything like each other. And if paleontologists had found these, they wouldn't recognize them as one species. They would recognize them as 30 different species. Yeah. But when you get to the hominoids, or the, homin the, the hominines, 
their skulls almost exactly the same. Because when you get into hominine, the human line, which includes the australopithecines and the paranthropines and such, you no longer have that sagittal crest, right? So they all have the smooth top dome. They all have the same type skull. And so there's so precious little difference that very often creationists can't identify what the hell, whether it's ape or whether it's human. They want to divide it. They want to make sure it's 100% on that side or 100% on this side. But they keep contradicting themselves. Yeah, they like, disagree. I think yeah. it was the Tumai skull that was shown to three different creationists. And one said it was 100% ape. The other one said it was 100% human. And then uh, Dwayne Gish was shown the same skull six years apart. He was shown one skull and then shown the exact same skull six years later. And he identified it as 100% ape the first time and 100% human the second time. Well, you know it's not an exact science, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but seriously, the like... Is they just have to make believe. That's what it really is. Yeah. It is willful dishonesty. It is lying. It is pretend. It is, a, it is the... Uh, I'm going to use a Kent Brockman word, avoision. Professor, without knowing precisely what the danger is, would you say it's time for our viewers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? <laughs> but do they not strike you kind of like as con artists when you speak with them like up, up front? Like, that's, a, that's my opinion every time I meet them. Yeah, yeah. They're making money off it too, right? Yeah. Uh, I've got to ask you a really uh, an important question. In your, in your almost expert opinion, I should say, um, the reason why you see the classic, you know, from, from ancestors and they, came, they, they, they become more and more bipedal, did this happen because the guy in the line, the guy behind him, he stood up real fast because the guy behind him was Homo erectus? <laughs> Actually, no, I, I, I understand the joke and everything, but I want to clarify that, too. A lot of people make this mistake. They think that they think we evolved from uh, quadrupedal chimps or gorillas or something. But if you look at what would be the more basal karyotype, that would be like orangutans, right? Orangutans are, uh, are largely bipedal. And then if you look at the lesser apes, which would be karyotypic of their ancestors, they are entirely bipedal. So because of their distended, you know, the really uh, long arms, it was ridiculous for them to try to walk. Their arms are so long that if they walked around on all fours, they'd still be standing up. Yeah, mm. you know how they tell, like the, the back actually adjusts in the women so that they can, when they're pregnant, you know how you get the, uh, the hip tilt? That's how mm -hmm. you can tell that they walked upright uh, specifically. I, I still don't know which one was first bipedal. It was either Cilanthropus genensis or Orientin genensis. I'm sure I butchered Orientin the shit out of that. Was a but I, yeah. I wasn't sure which one, right? which one was which. Hmm. Yeah, now see, this is we, we have those two which might have begun the gorilla line. Right? And so we know that there are some quadrupeds back there, and it led to quadrupeds. But at the same time, the gibbons are bipedal, and the orangutans are bipedal, and there's a good chance that our ancestry, at least at that time, was half, or, or at least half and half. So it was, it was walking mostly bipedal uh, in, in the trees and such, at least most of the time. This is why you have, with Lucy, you have the foramen magnum, which is the hole that goes into the bottom of the skull. You know, the, in chimpanzees, that hole comes in from the back of the skull, but in, in humans, it comes in from underneath the skull. And, of course, in Australopithecus, it comes in halfway between those two points. Well, and they, and they talk about chimpanzees, like we came from chimpanzees. And, you know, the split happened, give or take, seven million years ago. Yeah. Chimps didn't exist back then. Neither did bonobos. They're like two million years old. Exactly. But like you said, when you go back, we, we split off with the orangutans. And then we split off with the gorillas or vice versa. I don't remember. Well, but we split off and it looks like 
It, it looks like that at that time, uh, the line that led to, uh, well, actually two different lines, the lines that led to gorillas and the line that led to chimpanzees both went quadruped. And I, I'm just inclined to think that we were always quasi-bipedal that entire time. One of the definitive characteristics, by the way, of anthropoids or simiforms or monkeys is that they are um, uh, bipedal dominant. Mm-hmm. So even if you go back into the monkey line, they're all bipedal dominant. I guess it's a question of environment, right? I mean, for example, we're, we're bipeds, but if we start climbing a mountain, we use all fours half the time, right? As soon as we're climbing a hill. Well, have you seen the treadmill experiment, Kevin? No, I've not. They basically had experiments done with treadmills where you're quadrupedal or bipedal, and you burn way less calories being bipedal. So obviously it's an advantage, and there's some. Are you ev- saying I should do my exercise on four legs now? Yeah, you need to lose some weight there, Tubby. <laughs> no, but but um, one thing I'm unsure about is that when this whole you know supposed bipedal thing developed, is there a correlation between the, uh, I guess, flora in Africa disappearing, like the trees actually disappearing, or is that something that is kind of outdated? Tall well, grass coming into view. They talked about the savanna, out of the savanna uh, hypothesis. And uh, they were talking about, we're, we come down from the trees and then everything turns into a savanna. So we had to make this arboreal to terrestrial transition. And I think that's fairly accurate. And people thought that, that Artipithecus somehow changed all that. But it, it, it didn't. I mean, it, the Artipithecus falls right in line with what, what those predictions were. The problem is, every time you find a new fossil, every time there, there's anything, uh, any fossil found that seems to be in the human evolutionary line, the newspapers have to say that whatever it is causes all scientists to rethink their theories. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? <laughs> Sensationalism, yeah. Oh, like... Um, it has to, yeah. Homo naledi, where they said it rewrites the human tree. No, it doesn't. It was predicted by the human tree. You just stick it right there. See, done. <laughs> exactly. There's only been, uh, in the last 50 years or so, at least in my lifetime, there's only been one that rewrites human ancestry the way they're talking about. Can't and it's not even our ancestry. <laughs> <laughs> Which? He said can't have. <laughs> <laughs> He's a transitional fossil, isn't he? That's too good. I gotta I gotta give the points for that one. Yeah. He's unable to complete that transition. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> totally different monster. So, so which one is it, Arn? Uh, Homo floresiensis. Oh, the 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 Hobbit. See, I told you guys the Lord of the Rings was based on a true story. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believes things, me. Those things are anthropological freaks. Well, but it's and the, they, it's they, they do change a lot of what we originally understood. They used tools. They used they built fires, and yet they had these tiny little brains. And this is the one that creationists like to say, "Well, these are just people that had microcephaly, right? Mm. Yeah. Fourteen microcephalics living together in a community." Inconceivable. Oh no, it's it's fosters. That, that's it's pushing fosters. it a little yeah. bit. Well, you know, they our brains are actually getting smaller right now. It's like it. That isn't so much a, an indicator of intelligence necessarily. Well, it's more about amount of neurons, I think. I mean, yeah. there's plenty of animals Density. out there with big-ass brains and they're idiots. Are you guys, other than Aaron, because he <laughs> knows more about this shit than I do, are you guys familiar with Foster's Rule or the Island's Rule? No. Well, you all, the same place where they found Homo florentius, I can't say it, they found <laughs> midget elephants. 
So basically, yeah. when you yeah. live in a place and you have a high amount of predators and low amount of you know food that's available, resources you get smaller, right? Mm. Obviously, so then you don't have to eat as much and that sort of thing. And then vice versa also works. Where there you was get a whole bigger. island like that, right, Tyler? Well, that's what we're talking yeah, about. That's, 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 that's where the hobbits were found. Oh, okay, I got you. Now. Yeah, and they found the elephants to. too. Right? Yeah, he's trying to chime in here. Let him speak. Yeah, he's Go the ahead. guest. Oh yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> they found lots of islands like that. I mean, there are there are birds on some islands that just grew to ridiculous sizes, and but in the island that he's talking about, it's not just that the humans were tiny and the elephants were tiny, the the rats and the lizards were enormous. Hmm. Yeah, the so lizards were big enough to eat people whole. You mean like monitor wow. lizard style, or yes, monitor lizards just much bigger than what we have now. Wow. Dragons. So, like in the twenty foot range. What is this? Ninety thousand years ago, starting up to I think one point one million years ago. I think is the oldest tools, anyways. From what I remember, yeah. they went extinct. Oh, oh okay. So you talk about the flores. I was thinking about the lizards. No, floresiensis. Surprisingly, uh, the last cache that they have, or the only cache that they have for these people, was thirteen thousand years ago. Oh, okay. I thought it went back so to very recent. Yeah, twenty. Foot and there's lizard. a lot of people that, of course, still say you know say that those people are still out there, or that they that they that there were reports that you know they supposedly saw them recently. But who knows what they were talking well, about? Or, there's no way to. Orang Pandek. Have you heard that before? No. Orang Pandek. It's like Bigfoot, but oh um, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. South Asian Bigfoot. Yes, ape, yes, yes. It's actually, a smaller. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, the thing about Floresiensis that makes it so bizarre is that all humanity evolved from Homo erectus. Right, I mean, we, you have prior to that, you have Homo uh, rudolfensis and and ho, uh, Homo uh, habilis. Yes, thank yeah. you, uh, the handyman. But but all living humanity and all and the Neanderthals too all evolved from Homo erectus, and so it was assumed that Homo floresiensis must have evolved from erectus as well. But uh, uh, floresiensis has a a bone in the wrist. That none of the erectines have, that Neanderthals don't have, that modern humans don't have. Only Australopiths have these. Hmm. So this is either an atavism that somehow reoccurred and remained in the subsequent stock, or they were never evolved from erectus. They were evolved earlier, so that where that their, their split comes earlier, so that they are as as. No, they're so far away from modern human as it is as, as possible to be, and possibly even further, because they evolved from erect from uh, Australopithecus rather than Homo habilis or Homo rudolfensis, then they wouldn't technically even be human, unless we move the categorization of human back to include the Australopithecus. Yeah, is it just uh, you said there was a bone in the wrist, and what was the other difference? I'm trying to remember because this uh, I read somewhere about uh, a second. Uh, second bicuspid, but I can't remember if that was legitimate. That might have, I, I may have to look that up. And, and these like, poor things were being chased by 20-foot lizards. Yeah. Well. There's some, like, uh, some people have a 13th set of, like, of ribs, cervical ribs, right? Like, would that classify you as not human if you had that? No, no, no. It's not, the, it's not that you acquired a new trait that no longer makes you human. It's what you evolved from. What is your ancestry? Mm-hmm. So, if the, if the categorization, or the cat, the the category human begins with Homo rudolfensis, Homo uh, Homo habilis, which may be in fact the same thing, mm-hmm. right? And then from them, of course, you get Homo erectus and Homo uh, heidelbergensis, which then begat 
Neanderthals, modern humans, and so forth. They have all these little different subdivisions, of, which probably have more names than they really deserve. Yeah. Because oh. it's possible that all of these things were chemically interfertile and might even have uh, intermingled. Like dogs now, right? Uh, well, no, not like dogs. Dogs are a, uh, dogs are a freak show. Uh, dogs, <laughs> dogs, dogs will mate with stuffed animals or your kneecap. They don't... <laughs> <laughs> well, the beauty the beauty here is, is that we got like like genetic science is like so far advanced from like when we started looking at fossils to determine what was happening, right? Like we can understand and trace it back a lot better with more accuracy than we could back say fifty years ago or whatever. A good way to explain years. this, I mean, I, I used to love that that show Red Dwarf is a British oh, yeah. science fiction. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there's that one guy who evolved from cats. Yes. Okay, and so Holly described, or the, the computer described it to, to Lister, saying that this guy uh, is descended from cats. His ancestors were cats. He is a cat. So it doesn't matter what new traits you develop. You may have a subcategory, but you're still going to be ancestrally cat. Your, your parent clade is still cat. Well, yeah, then we're all ancestrally If your family were cats. Bacteria. So if these, if these people, if Homo floresiensis, what we now call hobbits, which I don't think is a fair name for them, but if they, <laughs> if they evolve from what we classify as homo, they were homo. But if they come from an earlier group, then we need to devise a new subcategory of australopith, or we need to reclassify australopiths as humans. Well, yeah, but where, where do you stop in a line like this? Yeah. I mean, you're saying you classify them like the, the cat example. His ancestors were a cat. But if you go farther along, past homo, past australopithecus, then you can start saying that we're also fish. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right. way, way, way back. You're interfish. Well, the, the words yeah. fish and reptile always come up when we talk about monophyletic classifications. They don't and the thing is, is that <laughs> fish doesn't have a working definition. And people will often say that fish are, you know, the things that live in water, which, of course, that doesn't work. There's lots of things that live in water that clearly are not fish. And there's things that are that are called fish, which aren't, which don't fit anybody's classification of fish. And there are fish who can warm their blood, and there's fish who have legs, or there are fish who don't have fins or scales. So when you try to classify fish, the only consistent thing that you can get for what we traditionally think of as fish is that fish have gills, but then they're not the only things that do. Okay, but We uh, have tetrapods that have gills that are not fish. Yeah. Eventually, so though, you're going to reach a point where you to is If you want to classify life forms... You kind of have to, if you're going to use a monophyletic classification, you have to throw the third fish away because it doesn't have a classification. It's not consistent. Yeah. But so but the word chordate, because not all fish have backbones either. Fish are very, what we call fish are very, very primitive group. But they can be chordates, whether they have the, the beginnings of a, of a uh, spinal cord or what they call a notochord, but not a spine in it, nor a skull, nor jaws either. So... Well, no, I think they do have. I may be getting them jumbled in my head. They might have skulls, but not jaws. Huh. Yeah, this, this and is so reptile is another one. Reptile is one that is an old Linnaean classification. It's a grade where they said, okay, well, a reptile is something that's cold-blooded, has claws and scales, and um, and is a. I can't remember what the sounds other like classifications. Aunt, sounds like my aunt Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> but we have we have reptiles that we know are actually technically reptiles by. The, by other criteria that don't have don't have claws or don't have scales or that can warm their blood and of course if you evolve to adapt some new ability then you've got something that's limited by a classification or as I say that, but that doesn't have this so you start making arbitrary restrictions yeah you know so if you're going to if you're going to categorize any collective you have to start with everything that's already universally accepted as part of that set and find the common characters 
that are shared by all of them without making special exceptions for certain ones. And then you can figure out, once you have the category of everything that really fits that, does some new edition belong there? Well, and so reptile, again, has to be thrown out. Now, um, I was using reptile as, uh, or I was using the classification diapsidae to be synonymous with reptile, but uh, reptilomorph is actually older than diapsidae, and it includes all, it includes uh, some other things that we didn't traditionally con uh, consider reptiles. And, and one of the reasons they moved it back to reptilomorph was because there was a controversy, and I think that controversy is still going on, as to whether turtles are reptiles or not. Because if, if, if diapsid is what a reptile is, then turtles were argued were not diapsids. Now it seems that there's recent fossil finds, which I was disappointed by, that imply that turtles may be uh, diapsid is a subset of diapsids that have just I'm confusing the hell out of people here that's the reason creationists can't do this it's just too it, complicated it is complex. which is why I say first came fish then amphibians then Ninja, reptiles then Ninja mammals and everything in the turtle thing a little bit when turtles emerged I don't know, roughly you know uh, what is it 250-300 million years ago uh, when turtles emerged, there was a whole lot of stuff living on the land that ain't anything like what we've got now. And they weren't any of the lineages that we have now. There was a, there was a couple of other groups, uh, cotylosaurs and anapsids, that are now entirely extinct. And there was some argument that turtles might be the last living anapsids. And the most recent, there were some fossils that were indicating that this might be the case. The most recent one implies that, no, they're actually a a convergent subset of diapsids and not the last living anapsids, which means that anapsids are completely extinct. But there was some interesting stuff back there that nobody knows about. Because everybody, the only thing that people know about fossil fauna is the, the little plastic dinosaurs that you get in that bag at the grocery store. Yeah. That's it. Right? They have no idea. There's tens of thousands of fossil species that we know about that, that the common people don't know dick about. Mm -hmm. And some of these anapsids were really impressive. I mean, rhinoceros size uh, turtles on a, uh, with no shell, mm -hmm. essentially something like that. Okay, would, wouldn't it be fair to say that, you know, like you can start, like say there's a branch, you get a fork, and humans and something else branch off. There, there must become a point where they cannot mate together anymore. Even humans wouldn't be able to mate with their original ancestors. So it's kind of like picture like a slide rule with a window. You got the yeah. leading edge of it being humans as they advance through time, and eventually the previous ancestor is not compatible with them anymore. And then across yeah. the two, two species, they won't be compatible anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I also want to throw out that it's not just chemical interfertility that, uh, that determines speciation, because it has not been confirmed whether humans are chemically interfertile with chimpanzees or not. The reason that it hasn't been confirmed is, honestly, I don't think anybody wants to know the answer to that question. Except for Russia no, back, there's in, the lots of people Russia back in the 1950s. You wouldn't even have to do it like the mating that we traditionally do. You just have to do it in a test tube. Well, that's what they <laughs> right. did in Russia, yeah. Didn't yeah. Now, we've done, we've done hybrids, uh, test tube hybrids between camels and llamas, for example, mm -hmm. which are much more distantly related than humans are with chimpanzees. Oh, no kidding. But the thing about it is, is that we have two species that Regardless whether they can interbreed, they won't. And that also makes the species a uh, difference. Like if you get lions and tigers in the wild, it will not mate. You lock them in a cage for, you know, for a while and there's nothing else. Mm 
Well, somebody so, who's racist won't mate with miss somebody that they're racist with. It could be you lock me in. Thing, right? You lock me in a cage with anything for long enough, and I'll end up fucking it. That's from Jim Jeffries, so you can't blame me. Arn, uh, you're, uh, you're, um, now that you had your first book experience, uh, can we expect a second one to come out eventually from you? I, I well, I have some ideas running around in my head about that, and um, I, I'm I'm shooting down some ideas as as quickly as they as they copper up. I know I'm going to do another book eventually. I just don't know exactly which direction I'm going with it yet. Okay. Do you get really complicated with the book, like talking about diapsids and anapsids and that kind of thing? Well, I do, I, and I don't mean to get complicated. I think I've kept it all pretty simple, and the reviews... Simple for you. Well, wow, <laughs> yeah, I'm the, thinking... The, the chapter this. that you're talking about, I actually removed 4,000 words from that chapter because I realized, one, it, it, uh, that one chapter that talks about classification, because that's a primary interest of mine. Uh, that one chapter was 6,000 words longer than any other chapter, and I realize it's actually quite scientific and dry. Well, it's so something I, that I cut out quite a bit of it just to keep it down to a, a, a the label of the laity. I think it's an interesting discussion between people who actually accept evolution, which we have in in my group all the time. But when you're talking to creationists, I always try to focus on the highlights, like synapsids, which are mammal-like reptiles, and tiktalik, and obviously the the homos that we mentioned, that sort of thing, because. When I start talking to them about anything that's a little too complicated, they just go, uh, duh, God did it, you know? Because that's easier than... Yeah, than or right? with like Tiktaalik or Acanthostegor or something like that, they'll say, well, it's just a fish, just a weird fish. <laughs> because they, they don't want to understand because they don't want to believe. They want to believe something else. Yeah. And, they wanna, and, and if that requires pretend, they're all about that. And I've gotten a lot of people in the course of my career in this, who have admitted that they believe what they know is not true, <laughs> but they believe it anyway because they want to. Yeah, it's just a reptile that also lactates, or it's just a fish with feet, or yeah. like, what? <laughs> what do you mean, just? I am not intelligent enough to understand this, therefore it's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking, speaking of missing link and not intelligent enough, uh, oh, Arne, it, have you guys found a missing link in the White House? <laughs> yeah, I think he's uh, he's been appointed as Secretary of Education. <laughs> uh, Arn, uh, what the hell happened there? What, what, what? Oh, dear, don't get me started. I want to get you started. Go for it. Yeah, I can't. I can't tell you how disappointed I am that you know that that, that several months ago. I was excited that we were going to have finally we were going to be. I was traveling the the, the the traveling the world. I'm seeing all these other countries that got shit better than we do, that are way more efficient than we are, right? That are more conscious and more capable than we are, and we're all saying, "Well, we can't afford to do what these piddly ass little countries do because we're the richest country in the world." Yeah. Why can't? Why the fuck can't we afford to do that shit then? <laughs> right. So I mean, we we were about to have. You know, we under, uh, we were looking at Bernie. Huzzah! A man of quality! Yes. Right? And we a- were going to have uh, a national health care system, which would save my ass because you don't wouldn't believe how much I pay out in insurance. <laughs> and without, without Obamacare, by the way, it wouldn't be possible, would not be possible for me to be a work at home. So when Trump says, oh, I'm going to abolish Obamacare, I'm like, great, I'll just have to go get a fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know, that's you- what it means to me, because then I'm going to have to have company insurance. 
You know, last time we spoke, you actually you were musing about moving to Canada, Vancouver, or Edmonton. You're still welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a little caught much. in my living room. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually feel, and I know my wife wants to live someplace else, but I mean, I, I feel that in this political environment that I am more than ever, I am compelled to stay in, in the fight, in the fire. And I know a lot of other people that are that are so worried about the the environment right now that they want to take off their atheist swag off their cars and stuff because they don't want to get vandalized. Mm-hmm. And I've had a tire slashed, I've had a window smashed, and because I've got atheist bumper stickers, and I'm I'm just going to be louder, bolder, and more obvious because I think that's what's going to have to happen. You know, and there was a there was a, a uh, an election here recently, of course, um, where somebody running for for Senate, I think it was the Senate said, don't vote for my opponent because she's an admitted atheist. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to run for office, and I'm going to be as open atheist as this is possible to get. And it's not going to be like what they did to Bernie Sanders, right, where they said, you know, are you, do you believe in God? And he, and he has to say, well, of course I believe in God. The God I believe in is we're all in this thing together, right, <laughs> which is a beautiful shift of that answer. But it was a sabotaging answer. Yeah. Nobody's even going to ask that of me. I'm president of Atheist Alliance of America. Yes, I am atheist. I don't believe in all that magical mamby pamby horse shit, right? I'm, just so, be so, as upfront about it as possible. And people are going to want that, I think. By the time so. my term comes up, when I go run for office, that's going to be two years from now. And people by then, I think, are going to be so upset at having an all Repu- all three branches of federal government being fully Repu- you know, Republican, conservative Christians, right, and all of the damage that always happens whenever you've got them in power, right? I mean, the deficit always goes down with the Democrat and back up with the Republican again. How do people not see these patterns? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and then when you see what happened with, like, Bernie Sanders trying to defend or trying to generate benefits and protections for for veterans and then you know paul ryan and all these other republicans shooting him down at every turn and yet i know veterans who all republicans say i'll never vote for a damn democrat i'm like well because you just like supporting your enemies (laughs) and you hate having friends trying to help you your uh, your rallies are going to be really good not have a situation where we could spend another four years reawakening the coal industry no, absolutely not. We were this was our last chance to get back straight. So I'm having to embrace the end of our fucking species now. Yeah. And if it isn't, if it isn't brought about by uh, by by Trump wanting to bomb the shit out of Russia, right? If it's not something like that because he'd said in multiple interviews, well why can't we use nuclear weapons if we have them? If it's not his brain-bending stupidity that brings our end that way, militarily, well, then it's going to be his brain-bending stupidity that brings it about by other means, by exploiting coal and and, uh, fossil fuels and having no respect at all for people who actually understand things and should have been in charge. Just imagine now, if Bernie Sanders hadn't, and I believe that Bernie Sanders was screwed out of the election. I'm oh, not yeah. just from the literature of WikiLeaks. I've been following this forever. I've been following this since it started. There are plenty of things that they did for voter suppression that the DNC has admitted to by this point. So you can stop calling me a conspiracy theorist since they admitted it, right? But you know, Bernie got screwed out of this election, and that was the worst thing they could have done because I, you know, I said months ago that that Hillary wasn't going to beat Bush. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, 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 Trump. <laughs> because Easy she, was, she is so hated by so many that it just causes more of them to go out and vote against her. Yeah. Right? Yep. Regardless whether this is justified or not. 
Right. There's a lot of hatred that's been dumped on her that she doesn't deserve. Some that she does, but a lot that she doesn't. Regardless, she's not your winning candidate. No. Bernie was the winning candidate. Absolutely. Bernie was the one that we could all feel good about. We elect this guy, and all he, he, all the top economists are on his side. Everybody's saying that his plan is the one that will work. Everybody on the planet is saying that Trump is going to be an absolute failure. And so far, in the first week, where he's not even taken offense yet, he's already gone back on several of the promises, fortunately, that he made, because they're all so inflamed stupid. <laughs> Backpedaling. <laughs> my word. Yeah, but just, just selecting Mike Pence, right? I would love to sit down and teach middle school science to that asshole. I think he's the bigger problem. Yeah. Well, I, I, in addition That's, to Pence, I think it's the entire cabinet. It's all of those people that he surrounded himself with, Steve Bannon and uh, Newt Gingrich and Rudy Giuliani, all of those people who together are they're, they're pointing, they're, they're, they're pointing the, the gun toward their own foreheads and our foreheads at the same time. They are just incapable of making decisions that are going to be beneficial to anybody or the planet included. Mike Pence yeah. is Mike Pence is Donald Trump's insurance policy because ain't nobody going to fucking shoot Trump because then you got Pence to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if, it, if it were possible to be worse than Trump, Pence. Yeah, Pence is. And, and that's another, another reason that Trump came out ahead is that the Republican Party trotted out this clown car of nothing but ideologues, right? The best, their best candidate, the one they actually wanted, right? His, the, the best that you could say about him is that he was a wuss. You talk about Jim? Yes. Yeah. No. The, the one that the, the the dumber brother than W. Yeah. <laughs> That's a high bar. <laughs> well, Arn, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you just a little bit because I I, I voted for Bernie in, in the in the primaries and I I really felt that he would have been a winning candidate. But having looked at the results and seeing the number of disaffected uh, low educated uh, people who are in pain deciding uh, the election because they they didn't want the establishment. They didn't want either one of those candidates, even though uh, a lot of them in Michigan had voted for uh, Obama uh, four years before. They felt, as Trump says, they felt as though they were the forgotten man, and they wanted to shake up Washington and get totally away from the establishment. So I think it was inevitable, unfortunately, that they wanted to vote for the one guy who was supposedly the outsider and would uh, be as well, far from the establishment as, as they wanted to go. And Sanders was further from the establishment than even Trump. Yeah, yeah but I don't think he, I don't think the people who voted for Trump were necessarily enamored with, uh, with Bernie for a number of different no, reasons. No, they weren't enamored I, with Trump either. Yeah, they, they, they just didn't want, uh, they didn't want the, uh, the typical candidate in there. They just they, wanted an outsider. Well, yeah, but I, I think a Jewish socialist was not quite the guy that they wanted in the White House. You and I yeah, the sad thing about Sanders calling himself a socialist is that that, that was the only negative thing anybody could say about him. Yeah. And the, the sad thing is, is that it wasn't even true. Yeah. Yeah. Sanders identified himself as a democratic socialist because he wanted to, he wanted to emulate Denmark's plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And then the Danish prime minister made a public statement saying, but we're not a socialist country. We're a free market economy. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, it's, it, I, it's a human mistake. He's humans, right? He, he, he sees this plan. He thinks they're a socialist country. So he identifies as I'm going with that. That's what I like. But if he hadn't done that, and it, how do you go back on it? 
how do you go back and say, well, I was, I was stupid because I didn't know what that country really was? You know, but the thing is, if he had said that he was a market economist, no complaints. Well, it's right? a hard, they would know what that means. the worst thing you can say about him? It's he's Jewish, system, yeah. he's which Jewish. is seemingly appropriate since the guy he's running against is Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you, you just call Hillary uh, a communist and then, yeah. you know, throw some mud and that's all. Yeah. Well, oh. it, it's like me saying, I'm not a socialist. I just believe in extremely regulated capitalism. Same shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just, you know, the, the, no one saw the strength of the Bubba vote coming. And that's what made <laughs> the, the difference. Vote. The, the Bubba, Bubba vote. vote. Arne, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate everything you've done for us here today. Uh, if people want to follow you more and uh, find out more about your book, where can they go? Well, the book, of course, is available on Amazon.com. The title is Foundational Falsehoods of Creationism. I blog at, um, on Patheos uh, under Reason Advocates. And uh, my channel, of course, on, our, on uh, YouTube is A-R-O-N-R-A, right? R-N-R-A. Uh, that's not, and I've, everybody mispronounces this, it's not Aaron. It's not Aaron-Ra. <laughs> I corrected everybody it's, earlier today. I said it's Aaron, not Aaron. Yeah, R-N-R-A. Uh, and I don't know what else to say about how to point people to me. Oh, my, my Twitter, if anybody cares, is A-R-O-N underscore Rob. Somebody made a Twitter for me just so that I would have it if I ever wanted it. But by the time I wanted it, I couldn't find the password. <laughs> what and you can't contact Twitter. So there's another A-R-O-N-R-A Twitter out there with 400-some-odd subscribers that has never tweeted and never will. <laughs> Trump could help you find that. What about an audiobook? I thought I saw you post on your Facebook. I did. I did record the audiobook with David Smalley. It's, uh, I think it's like 16 hours. Are you talking about the fundamental? Yeah, that's the book you just released. Okay. Well, well, I just wonder, and I'm blind, so I kind of. Yeah, yep. Foundational audio. Falsehoods of Creationism is available on on Audible. Oh, and, good. Uh, yeah, and uh, as I said, I had a great deal of, of fun uh, recording that, and and Smalley kept up the the uh, professional production standard, so I think it turned out really, really well. And the bloopers, I heard the bloopers as well. Oh, I gotta hear that. <laughs> you won't discuss those. Those didn't happen. So, so you heard it here first in Canada for. For Canadians, anyway, that Arn Roy is actually going to be having a political career. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be absolutely <laughs> awesome. And Arn, like I said, we've been authorized here at Left of the Valley by the Prime Minister to offer you asylum should you ever decide <laughs> to come up here for the next four years. All you have to remember is we have stronger beer and uh, you have to prefer hockey over football for the next four years. Hockey sucks. Tyler? Be quiet. That's L enough out of you. Lacrosse is our national sport. Screw you guys. <laughs> We're going to hit him over the head with hockey sticks now. Thank you so much, Aaron. Hope to see, talk to you soon. Hope to have you soon back here in the country. Yeah, come drink beer with us again. That was fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. Look, looking forward to it as soon as I can. And that was our friend Aaron Raw. Always love having Aaron on the show. He's a fantastic interview, and we look forward to seeing more of him in the new year. Time for my rant. Now, November 11th just happened. I hope you took the time to thank a soldier. I wish we lived in a world that would uh, make their job obsolete, but being that our society is in its infancy, and most of us still believe that a divine magic man takes sides in the dispute, uh, I don't see that happening. The soul, it seems a soldier and the sacrifice he or she makes is still necessary. November 11th is one of those sacred cows for Canines. We like to show our gratitude to our fallen soldiers and thank them for 
knowing that their sacrifice allows us to move on, allows me to say these words. And although I like to participate in the ceremony honoring them, I find myself having a harder time doing it. What really disturbs me the most is the blatant Christian overtones of the ceremony. Now I know that many soldiers were Christians, but as I look upon the soldiers on stage in the ceremony, some of them are Caucasian, some are black, some are Indian, some Asians, this Christian appeal to their carpenter God leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Doesn't this fly straight into the face of our multicultural values as Canadians? Now I know I'm not supposed to rock the boat with this sacred cow, but isn't it time that the ceremony of November 11th reflect the secular multicultural nature of Canada? Are we not ignoring the non-Christian soldiers when we invoke the Christian God? Was his, her sacrifice any less significant? It's hard to maintain a sense of harmony amongst Canadians when we insist upon thanking a god over another. In that sense, religion does what it's always done best. It divides us. Whether it's a politician putting up a nativity scene for Christmas or a priest giving out a prayer on November 11th, we're sending a loud message to those Canadians who don't believe in a Jewish carpenter god. You don't matter. I think it's high time to drop religious messages in public ceremonies Either include them all or drop them all. It's about being fair to all Canadians, not just Christians. It's the Canadian way, the reason these soldiers sacrificed. And that takes us to the end of our show. I want to thank you all for being with us today. I want to thank our guest, Arn Raw. I also want to thank everybody that was on the show, uh, Nancy and Tyler and Kevin. Guys, you were awesome as usual. Thank you so much for being with us. Coming up next week, we have a show. Oh, I forget what we have. That's just me. Anyway, we do have uh, Damien Mary at Hope coming up soon. Uh, on the uh, December 3rd, we also have a debate. Chris, uh, Christian Chris versus Gemma Page will be talking about the resurrection of Jesus or the historicity of Jesus. One of them. Around the 10th of December, we'll have... Uh, We'll be talking about our old friend David Fitzgerald. We'll be talking about St. Paul. And of course, on the 17th, we'll have the Christmas special. And that'll take us towards the end of the year. I'm also thinking of doing a top 10 best of the year for Left of the Valley. So I hope you'll join us for this. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Until next time. Something missing in your brain I'm proud to be an atheist A skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance And you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil. What a fucked up statement. Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me. Skeptical of anything that contradicts history, denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last Culture, only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. Are 
isn't real, but Jesus is Or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them I think the reason is apparent You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer An infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith And unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Something to be ashamed, I'm an atheist. Atheist, atheist. 